We read again from Second Peter 1 beginning in verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Within most everything that takes place in the events of our daily lives, there seems most often to be some sure and certain reward or recompense that follows each of those events, depending upon the reactions and the responses that we choose to have to those events. But with that being the norm, I also must quickly add that that's not always going to be so. I know that because I have done some really wrong and dumb things, I have not had to suffer the consequences that I deserved. And that's thanks be to God's mercy and His grace. All those due penalties that I should have received for my careless and wrong behavior They've not taken place, and that's because of the grace of God. But with that being said, with that being said, the reality of what usually does take place is that as we react and respond to all of the many circumstances of our daily life, there is usually some form of reward or recompense that will follow. Whatever we sow, we usually will reap. We may not know that we are reaping that which we have sown at an earlier time in our life, but there is the recompense. Whatever we sow, we will reap. That is a law of God, and it's right here in these scriptures. There's a quote that is used often, a secular quote, but it says the same thing. What goes around comes around. It does. What goes around comes around. Now, here in our scripture text today, God's being gracious and kind as he instructs us concerning our behavior and our responses to the transactions of our daily life. And he begins first by giving a promise of pleasant rewards to those who do things rightly. And that's especially so then on in verses 10 and 11. But here also in these words, he gives a clear warning about recompenses, about consequences that most always follow our wrong behavior. He tells us here first that for if you possess these qualities, now the qualities he's speaking of are the seven qualities of godly sanctification, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If we possess those qualities in increasing measure, increasing measure, they will keep you and me from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, he says, if we fall short, if we do not follow his guidance, then there is going to be a recompense. There's going to be a consequence of us not possessing these qualities, these seven qualities in increasing measure. There's going to be a consequence. And that consequence is, it says, but if anyone does not have them does not have these seven 
qualities of sanctification. If anyone does not have them, he or she is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Folks, it's so important that we keep in mind that these words are being given to us by the all-knowing and all-powerful holy God who reigns over all that takes place on this earth. And he has the ability, listen, he has the ability to bless you and me beyond measure when we do these things, but he also has the ability to curse us. And he really will. He really will at times let our sins find us out. And we will then reap that which we sow. We won't like that very much. We won't even understand it. But thankfully, though he is a just and a holy God, he's also a compassionate and loving father who wants with all of his heart for you and me to do well and to be upright in our behaviors. And he has this constant intimate watch care taking place over us every moment of every day over all the things that we do. And he over and over again stoops down to attend to our most basic of needs. Do you believe that? Let me read where it is in Scripture. It's in Psalm 139. It's a psalm that I enjoy daily and it just speaks so powerfully to me. This is his loving watch care over us. Beginning in verse 5, it says, You hem me, O God, in behind and before. You have laid your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. And in verses 17 and 18 of Psalm 139, we read, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Listen, God knows everything that you and I do. He watches everything that we do. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our motives behind every thought that we think. He is ever and always knowing both our thoughts and our behaviors. We cannot hide anything from Him. And like a loving Father, He really wants the very best for you and me. In Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, we read, O Lord, You have searched me, and You've known me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. God is a sweet, loving Father. He knows things about us that we don't know. And being that sweet, loving Father, no matter how much we gum things up, He always wants the very best for us. There are those who would believe that God is a very demanding God. That He doesn't have the love of a Father. And that God is just waiting up there just to smash us for the next thing that we do wrong. But it's not true. All we have to do is look at our own history, read these Scriptures, 
Nowhere do we see God waiting just to punish us for something we've done wrong. He truly is a sweet, loving Father. But what then is our part, your and my part? What is to be our response to this great love that God has for us? Simply put, it is that you and I must fully agree with God that righteous behavior, our righteous behavior, is our only acceptable response. And if we're to have it, if we're to have that righteous behavior, then we must pursue after it, he says, with diligence. We have to pursue after it with all that we have within us, ever adding his sanctifying character in increasing measure, as he says here, into our own character. And so we read here in our text, for if you possess these qualities, these seven qualities of godly sanctification, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If you and I possess these qualities in increasing measure, then it will keep you and me from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reward that comes to us, remember I said we have rewards and consequences, rewards and recompense. The reward that comes to us for our obedience is that we will be blessed beyond measure. And he speaks of that specifically in verse 11. He says, that we will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Imagine for a moment what that might look like. As you and I breathe our last here in this life, suddenly we are there in His presence and there's a rich welcome taking place. What does a rich welcome look like? I have to tell you, I imagine this, it's not in Scripture, but I imagine this, that... All of those saints that have gone before us, many that I know, probably many more that I don't know, some that I have affected that I didn't even know that I affected, I think in terms of perhaps as I put these messages out on the, on the website, perhaps people that I have never known will be reading them and listening to them. But there will be this group of people. And there will be Ralph. There will be my mom. There will be, who would you want to be there? And they might be applauding. I love that thought. Think about that. That's what's going to take place because you have faith. Faith unto salvation. And as you add these seven qualities of sanctification, that welcome is going to be even richer as you step into heaven. Let me give you one contrast and I'll move on. Remember the parable of the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. It says of the rich man that he died and the next thing he knew, he was in burning torment, thirsting, crying out for water. Stark difference between his condition and this rich welcome that the Lord's speaking about here in verse 11. So the Lord gives us this reward. He tells us about this future reward that we will have this rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then again, he says, if you're not obedient, if you choose to not be obedient, then there is going to be a recompense. And it's going to start here in verse 9. But if anyone does not have these seven qualities in increasing measure... He is nearsighted and blind. 
and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. The Lord is saying there is a recompense, there is a consequence when we fail to have this righteous behavior that he desires of us. But now listen, remember that God's recompenses to his beloved children are not condemnation. They are always for the purpose of reclaiming us. That he lets these consequences have an effect on us so that it will reclaim us and pull us back in. Now here in these words that we're reading, God's children, it seems, are making wrong choices. Choosing other paths. And he begins this reclaiming process by giving them over to some of the consequences of their behavior. And those consequences are they become nearsighted and blind. Nearsighted and blind. And they forget that they've been cleansed from their past sins. They start to feel the guilt that they used to have for those sins before they repented of them. All that guilt starts coming back because they have forgotten that they've been cleansed. And here in this passage, we have God explaining to them the why. He says in verse 9, If anyone does not have these seven qualities of sanctification, then he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed. Now, I read that again because I want you to note those words and I want us to look at those words. God's choices of words here that if we choose not to have these qualities, choose not to have these qualities in increasing measure of virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, then we'll be nearsighted. We'll be blind. I looked up the definition of nearsightedness. Nearsightedness to us means that we can only see up close. We can't see anything out in the distance. The implication, though, in these words is that nearsightedness to us as believers is that we are consumed only with the matters of the moment. That up close, what's taking place with me right now. And I have no regard, perhaps, for the future consequences. That's nearsightedness. And that is so accurate in describing this self-centered personality of the people of our day. There was an article in the news recently that accentuated that cultural malady for me. The article was about a young man who was taking a selfie of himself. And as he stretched carelessly out over this precipice, he stretched too far and he fell off and he was killed. That was a very decisive recompense for his foolish behavior. And his, yes, it was a violent recompense, but it's a common selfie kind of story that's out there in our society today. Again, not many of them end in that kind of violence, but still they are representative of this self-centered and narcissistic culture of everyone thinking only, consumed only with themselves and up close and what's taking place with me. No real sense of the future consequences, the future possibilities. No regard for anyone or anything else beyond themselves and their immediate moment. I know that sounds quite condemning, but it does seem to be what's taking place in our society. The other word that God uses here is blind. And that Blindness even bespeaks further this condition of, of soul. Being able to 
see the self-filled immediate moment, a total blindness that engulfs our soul, keeping us from seeing that much better future promise of God. There's a scripture verse that I wish I had looked up for us before this today, but it says that if the life that we are living today is your only concern, then we are to be pitied above all men. We need to be able to see the future promises of God. Now, the reminder here too is that these words are for people who are saved. They are already saved. And they ought to be able to see God's future promises, have an eye for God's future promises. But they can't because they have not been building up their faith. That's why God gave these words to them that you need to add these sanctifying qualities these sanctifying graces to this initial faith that you have. You really do need to add virtue and knowledge and self-control and on and on. They've gotten saved, yes, but they have perhaps settled into this routine that maybe you have settled into. As I said last week, perhaps an obligatory 15 minutes of Bible reading or whatever amount that you've set for yourself. Maybe five minutes of prayer church on Sunday and then that's about it. But all the rest of the day doesn't have a lot of intimacy with Christ in it. And so they walk through the events of each day with a blurred vision. Perhaps even blind, as he's saying here. And how sad that is for them. They don't realize that the blessings and the graces of God are just a hand's reach away from them. That as a Christian, they can be enjoying so much, much more if they would only have eyes to see and ears to hear. Does that sound like anything that's taking place in your life? God's kingdom taking place all around you all day, all around them all day, but not being able to see His kingdom. Scriptures tell us clearly that as believers, we are already, already living within the kingdom of God. His kingdom with all of its blessings and provisions. They've already come to earth. The kingdom of God is within you. If you have Christ as your Savior, the kingdom of God already is within you and it is all around you, even now. But what is the problem? It is what he's implying here. We get too consumed with taking our own selfies of ourselves to see God's precious gifts being showered upon us. And so we only think of the negative things that are taking place or could possibly take place. And our attention gets so focused upon ourselves that we forget that we've really already been cleansed of all of those past sins and sinful behaviors. And we find ourselves then somehow falling right back in to doing the same old things that we used to do. Breaking God's heart and and really breaking the hearts of those who love us most, making a mess out of our relationships with them. But thankfully, thankfully, here we find God doing as loving fathers do. He is gently setting us down and saying to us, my son, my daughter, listen, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Don't be doing the way things the way you're doing them. 
Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do those things, if you possess these seven qualities of sanctification, you will never fall. If you have virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love in increasing measure, you will not fall. That's a promise. And he says, then you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you'll not fall in this life. Hearing these words about making our calling and election sure, I wanted us to know that God is not warning that we might lose our salvation. You and I cannot lose our salvation once we have it. So He's not warning about losing our salvation. These words are already speaking to saved people. He is talking about us doing as we talked about last week, and that is producing fruit that leads to righteousness. To be all the more eager to make our calling and election evident not only to ourselves, but also to all those who might view our behavior. And if we're doing these things of a saved person, then you and I, as he says here, we will not fall. We will not fall into sin and we'll not fall into disrepute. We'll lead ourselves and our loved ones safely through all those minefields that are out there every day. And we'll not be hurting ourselves or hurting them. And he tells us here that it's then that the complete fulfillment of God's promises will become ours. The blessings. We talk about blessings and curses. The blessings, the rewards are here in verse 11 and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Before we end for today, I want to ask you, it has surprised me in recent years to know that a lot of believers have a great fear of dying, have a great fear of standing before God in judgment. And so I would ask you, what are your thoughts? He says, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That sounds so promising to me. But the average person as they step back, they say, that means I've got to die. That means I've got to stand before God in judgment. What comes to your mind when you think about that last moment of breath here in this life? Is the idea of going to heaven, perhaps today, frightening to you? Scripture is clear. Death really is one of those sure and certain events. And as we've studied on other occasions, there is actually a specific time that is appointed for you and me to die. And then we will stand before Christ in judgment. And I do admit that when I stand there before Him, that I'm going to be uncomfortable. Not that I will think that I'm not going to be invited into the kingdom. I will be. I'm confident of that. I just know also that He will bring everything that I've ever done into account. We've talked about that in other messages and that's given to us in 2 Corinthians 5 and in Ecclesiastes 12 that yes, there is a time. Yes, I'm going to be invited into heaven, but there is a time that He will sit down with me and I'm going to see my report card. And I do fear that I'm going to see a lot more marks on it than I want to believe that's going to be there. Especially over in the, in the behavior area. But I'm not afraid. Are you afraid? If you have Christ as your Savior, you should not be afraid because this promise is to you 
unto me, where he says, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, can you be sure of that? I want to say that before we close. Can you be sure? Absolutely sure. I am absolutely sure. Why am I absolutely sure? It's because I'm told in one verse that I can be sure, but also here it says in 1 John 5.12, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I know that I have the Son of God, and so therefore I have life eternally. And then the next thing is, as I've said to you so often, I really am aware that I am living within the kingdom of God every day of my life. I can see the presence of the Lord all around me daily. And I want you to be able to experience that also. To be able to have the eyes to see and to know that His kingdom is already in you. And the promises are so easy to see. Not hidden in any way. Listen and I'll close. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.